Welcome back and welcome back to the cricket fans. Uh, some disappointed, few were delighted. Uh, regardless, you're back. Alhamdulillah, we're delighted to have you. So, uh, and to everyone else who's, mashallah, still dedicated enough to be showing up this early. May Allah bless all of you, inshallah. May Allah steer all of us to the truth and to nearness to Him. Allahumma ameen, Allahumma ameen. Um, today's surah is Surah An-Naml, a surah entitled The Ants, um, a surah we heard kind of um, reference to references to in, in the month of Ramadan, a surah that we have some attachment to in some ways because of its name, because of this common story about the ant in it. And we have kind of, uh, you know, uh, some, some approximate kind of sensations and feelings about it or, you know, uh, thoughts about it, excuse me, uh, that we've carried in ourselves about, you know, you know, the, the beauty of this ant in the surah and, and its understanding and its awareness. So inshallah we'll delve deeper into the surah um, to kind of extract the main themes and, and what this surah is ultimately about. Surah Al-Naml is a surah that continues uh, a discussion on the theme of the signs of Allah from Surah Al-Sha'ara. Surah Al-Sha'ara did touch on the attributes of the Quran and the attributes of the sons of Allah and how they work on us, how they impact us deeply. Surah Al-Naml continues this theme and elaborates on it further, speaking to us about our encounters in this human journey on this earth with the sons of Allah with the signs of wonder from Allah the powerful signs of Allah and their extensiveness, and how they work our hearts and souls, and how this truth of Allah that is revealed, contained within His signs, the signs of Allah contain a truth about Allah Himself, about the nature of things, about knowledge, deeper meanings, all embedded within the signs of Allah within us and outside of us, for those who are paying attention. So these sons of Allah and the truth in them are searching us out. They're not just staying on the sideline waiting for you to show up and introduce yourself. No, the sons of Allah bombard us and overwhelm us. They're there, they're very evident, they're very manifest, and they're talking to us. So we're constantly on a daily basis encountering the sons of Allah Azza So this surah is going to address this how this truth of Allah searches us out to ultimately open our hearts to what? To enlighten us to what? To guide us to what? Knowledge of Allah. 
the ultimate thing, to know Allah. The reason we're created is to know Allah, to pay attention to this ultimate thing whose truth and reality is embedded in every sign. Everything points back to Allah. And it's searching us out because Allah is so merciful. Allah will not abandon His creation. So He's going to constantly show us His signs to steer us back to this ultimate truth and ultimate knowledge. And this surah will say to you and me that this knowledge that the sons of Allah are grabbing us to or drawing our attention to is very extensive and very overwhelming and it's beyond our understanding and capacity even to comprehend. They're unimaginable in their, in their reality. So this surah will also address this other aspect or kind of weakness of the human being which is that the human being tends to be deluded by the appearance of things. We tend to be deluded by the appearance of things and their outward manifestation. Reducing the reality of things around us only to the surface manifestation, to the appearance of things. Failing to understand that with everything around us, in us and outside of us, is a reality far deeper than the outward appearance of the thing. So this, this, this folder is not just this folder. Inside of it is a reality. It's not just a piece of paper in it. No, no, no. Contained and embedded within its molecules and atoms. Not just physical. Other dimensions of reality embedded in it. This folder, even this folder, is sending messages to us that are physical and non-physical. Physical and spiritual as well to you and me. It's connected to us in ways we cannot even comprehend. All within this. You look at it and all you see is a surface, white surface, a folder, a paper, whatever you want to call it. And we call it things. Allah says it's not what you think it is. That's an illusion. Deep knowledge is about understanding the inner dimensions of this. Hold anything literally and look at it and, you have to rec and you're going to recognize this if you pay attention and if you look close enough. Allah will steer the heart to see this. Allah will talk to us about this through many narratives in this surah. Many beautiful stories that illustrate to us that things are not what they appear to be. That they contain other realities to them. That they're going to speak to us to steer our hearts to the ultimate truth about Allah and humble us to the ultimate knowledge. When we begin to see the inner reality of things as they encounter us, it's going to produce an understanding. Allah says it's going to produce an ultimate knowledge within you. What is this ultimate knowledge within us when we begin to see the inner reality of things? It's going to produce one fruit, ultimate fruit that is the sign of understanding and wisdom. And what is that going to be? And it's going to be illustrated through the narratives in the surah. Hikmah, the hikmah, the wisdom of it all, the essence of all of this knowledge is to become grateful to Allah. That's it. So once a human being becomes grateful to Allah, not to just, not to things, not to just be grateful. Grateful to who? Grateful to Allah. To understand that the source of everything is this powerful, infinite source. This infinitely merciful source, infinitely affectionate source. And to really begin to see everything as a manifestation of this source, 
as, as, a, as, a, as a product of the source, right? That is the, the gratitude that Allah Azza wa is seeking to nurture in all of us, that that means that this human being is knowledgeable. And that knowledge is from Allah Himself. And this, this quality, this beautiful quality, this hallmark, this ultimate fruit is, is, a, is a fruit we're gonna see manifest, we're gonna see manifested in this surah through a creation of Allah that you cannot even imagine. SubhanAllah. They all reached this ultimate gift. Gratitude to Allah Azza So Allah Azza and we're gonna now get right into it to kind of um, connect these themes to the stories and the narratives in the in, in, in this surah as we go through them insha'Allah and we're gonna you know gain insha'Allah a, a deeper appreciation of these meanings, even the notions of gratitude and knowledge and you know outward and inward realities of things, all through these beautiful narratives in the surah. Allah begins the surah as we said before. This is a surah that is an extension in a way of the previous surah, elaborating on the sons of Allah. Allah says, Allah begins the surah by saying, indeed, here it is, it's a surah about the wonders of the sons of Allah. He says, Tilka, these are the manifest ayat, the, the, the signs of Allah, the verses of Allah Azza wa and a book that is very clear. It's very abundantly clear, very manifest in its messages, in its clarity, etc. It's not ambiguous to any of us. None of the signs of Allah are ambiguous. So what Allah is also going to talk about is how when hearts are closed and are arrogant, they cannot see anything. No matter how clear it is, it's clear. Abundantly clear, but when the heart is intoxicated and when the soul is, is, is astray, the eyes can't see anything because it's not, as Allah says in the Quran, the eyes that go blind, it's the hearts that go blind. And when there's this thick layer of rust sitting on the heart, how will this heart comprehend and grasp anything? It is impossible. So Allah is also going to illustrate to us in this surah Beautiful examples, exa powerful examples about those who cannot see anything, no matter what. And they choose not to see. See, one of the questions that commonly comes um, is, why would Allah not guide others? Why does Allah will or make a decision not to guide someone? Allah never says this in the Quran. Ultimately, everything is in the hands of Allah. But Allah says, it depends on your will and my will. You have to will it, and Allah has to will it. Allah always wills guidance for everyone. But it's the human being who chooses to accept or not accept. When the human being rejects it, Allah takes it away. It takes, ultimately, two wills. And the will of Allah cannot be surpassed, cannot be conquered, cannot be undone. Nobody can do this. Nobody can outdo Allah Azza wa Jal. So no matter what, it is from Allah Azza wa Jal, but Allah is waiting for you and me to make a choice, a decision to be guided. So when someone, when you see someone not being guided, ultimately there's also something that we don't know about them that is causing this, this guidance not to kind of touch their hearts that we're not aware of, we're, that we're not aware of, and we're not supposed to judge, right? Ultimately, leaving it to Allah and making dua that Allah steers that heart. So Allah says, here it is. This is a manifest, clear book with abundant signs. Huda wa bushra lil It is indeed a huda, a guide 
and a glad tiding for the believers. So what Allah is saying is that when you believe in Allah Azza this book will continue to guide you and strengthen you. Which is why also we're supposed to keep coming back to the Quran. Quran is a thing that reminds, and we need a reminder. No matter how guided we are, what does a human being tend to do? Forget. And we, you know, we fail and we stumble. So we need somebody to pick us up and heal us and remind us. We know that Allah exists, but we still need reminders about Allah Azza wa We need things that heal our hearts and infuse them with life. So that's why we're supposed to keep going back to this incredible reminder called the Qur'an, which means that which should be read and recited constantly to be contemplated. Allah says it will guide, it will guide the believer. It will strengthen you. But if you come to the Qur'an doubting the Qur'an, you might see nothing but doubt. You might see nothing but doubt. Truth is always there. It searches us out. But it demands also a heart that is coming to it with, with this openness and this eagerness to learn humbly. To learn humbly. When we always come, come into a conversation with answers and certitude, how can we learn? We need to come with this kind of empty bucket, willing to learn and absorb. And once the person comes in with this humility, Allah Azza wa dumps the knowledge on them dumps the understanding on them. So Allah Azza tells us further that it's a glad tiding. It speaks to us of news that you and I would never know on our own. Here it is, another indication of our limitation. We think we know. We think we understand. All knowledge is from Allah Azza How can we even claim to know anything of the future? So Allah says, one thing about this future that you're not aware of is that it's really beautiful for the believer. And what is coming is greater than what has gone before. What is coming, what is coming, the next one is far greater and surpasses the previous one, means the previous life, the, life, the past, for sure, for the believer. And it, it's something that no one can inform us of but Allah. How can we know the future? How can we know not only the future of this life, but how can we even know the future of the next world? How can we know anything of the next world without what? Allah Himself. Because it's not a world that is accessible to us. And Allah Azzajal now begins the narratives. And He first touches on the story of Musa briefly. And the thing that He emphasizes in the story of Musa is again this notion of understanding and knowledge. What you think is not what it is. The thing that you're looking at is not what you think it is. Appearances can really delude and fool the eye. So Allah Azzawajal speaks to us of an encounter again. It's a surah of encounters with the sons of Allah to teach and enlighten us. So Allah reminds us here of what happened when Musa السلام, was on his way back from Midian, having spent years in exile away from his motherland, from Egypt. And on his way back, you know, being driven by this nostalgia for, for being home. And Allah planted that in him. Everything was ordained by Allah. This whole journey of Musa was a preparation for an encounter in that sacred location, right? With Allah himself. To have that conversation with Allah and to be commissioned as a what? A messenger of Allah. He didn't know this. Allah steering us, brothers and sisters, preparing us, you know, molding us to fulfill our destinies, step by step. 
And the majority of these steps are not things that we understand easily. The things that happen to us in life, the events of life, are oftentimes incomprehensible to the human being, and we often misjudge them too, don't we? We misjudge the events that happen to us. We call good evil, evil good. Why? Because we're looking at the surface. Here it is, the surah tells you it's not the surface. There are inner realities to everything that happens to you that you're not aware of. You need to just turn it back to Allah and understand you're in good hands. And Allah will never fail you. And there's no such thing as a random thing. There's no such a thing as a random thing. It's just that the variables of the events are not known to you or me. They're only known to Allah. Because we have no access to other dimensions you know, of reality. So how can we judge things completely? Allah says, leave it to me. Leave it to me. Here is Musa being driven this whole life, right, from the moment he was planted in his mother's womb, to ultimately experience this encounter at the tree and be spoken to by Allah. He, has no, he had no idea. Here he is walking in the desert and Allah tells us he sees this fire. And he asks his family, to stay behind so that he can go and, you know, figure out what this source of this fire was. And apparently they were lost in the desert and he wanted to find his way. So he says, stay where you are, I'm going to find out what this, what this light is. And he approaches the, 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 the tree and we know what happens. He hears the voice of Allah himself. He hears the voice of Allah Azzawajal and it turns out to be a sacred spot and a sacred land, a piece of land. He says to him, Ya Musa, innahu ana Allahul Azizul Hakim. Allah tells us in verse 9, Allah speaks to him and he says, O Musa, it is me, Allah Al-Aziz, the powerful, the mighty, Al-Hakim, the wise. Here's a reminder, all wisdom and all knowledge is from Allah Azzawajal. What we gain in this life is so tiny so minuscule and even the minuscule is from Allah to be grateful to Allah for whatever it is that he has made you and I understand it's not from you and you it's not from you or me it's from Allah and he's reminding him it is me Al-Hakim the mighty the only one that can decide anything the only one whose actions matter is Allah that's it Two attributes of Allah that reminded Musa, Musa of this. And he wanted to teach him right away this lesson. That your eyes can fool you. Trust Allah. Your eyes can fool you. Your intellect can fool you. Your mind can fool you. It's all an illusion. It's not what you think it is. So he demonstrated that to him. How? Right away. There's an encounter. So Allah presented an encounter. Encounter with what? Not a normal sign now. Allah wanted to shock him. Wanted to teach him. Wanted to strengthen him because he's commissioning him as a messenger. He has to witness. And we witness things in our lives that really teach us things, right? We say, I swear, I've, I've seen something amazing, right? You come across strange things, you say, I swear, I swear, I saw that, right? Others might be shocked and not believe you. Here it is, another powerful sign coming. Musa's way, he had no idea. What is that sign? Allah tells him, Alqi asaka. Remember, he was supposed to meet who? After he became a prophet of Allah, Allah ordered him to do, to do what? Go talk to Fir'aun. Now that's not an easy encounter, right? 
He has to be prepared and strengthened. He's a human being with fears. Allah says, I'm afraid. So he has to now show him and embolden him. And when do we get become emboldened? You see, we know Allah is there, but we still need what? We need to still, we need to still be reminded about this, and we need to still, we still need to witness the powerful signs of Allah. Right? So Allah has to strengthen his heart further. He's going to give him powerful signs that really make it very clear to him, Allah will not abandon you. And whatever power you see on Fir'aun is not power. And don't worry. So what is that sign? He says to him, Al-Tasak, throw your staff. Throw your stick. Because Musa was a shepherd carrying his stick all the time. The stick appeared to carry a certain function. Isn't it true? Here it is. A surah about illusions. You're holding a stick. You think it's a stick is something that you can just you know, control your flock of sheep with. Or hit the tree with to bring down the fruits. Or beat someone. Protect yourself. Right? That's the function of a stick. Or to lean on. That's it. So Allah says, throw it. I'm going to show you that how this stick, this staff, has an inner reality to it. And how it responds to Allah in ways that are not comprehensible to you. Just to show you. It's not what you think it is. So he threw it. And what happened to the stick by the command of Allah? The stick turned into a snake. How does that happen? Turned into a snake. How would physical molecules and atoms, electrons and protons, turn into another physical creature? First of all, it's the power of Allah. Right? Allah declared himself to be Al-Aziz Al-Hakim, the powerful, the wise. He knows everything and he's powerful and he can say to anything be and it is. Very simple. That's understandable. Right? Allah says, not only do I command it to turn into something different, the staff itself has another reality to it that you do not understand. So indeed, when it turned into the snake by the will of Allah, what happened to Musa? He was afraid. He was afraid, but suddenly started to calm down, understanding it's Allah. Allah told him, don't worry, grab it. And he grabbed it. He was still afraid, but he needs to now what? Try to believe. So he had to grab the snake and it you know, turned back into a stick, right? Now here's a powerful sign from Allah Azza That Allah is the source of everything, that Allah is mighty, that Allah is powerful. That there's an inner reality to things that you don't understand. Do not misjudge it. Leave it to Allah Azza The staff is not what you thought it was. It turned out to be a powerful teacher and a powerful sign from Allah Azza Giving us a glimpse into the world of Allah, the knowledge of Allah, the wisdom of Allah that can turn this molecule into another molecule, right? In an instant. Imagine his strength now. He's being now what? Emboldened to go and meet who? Fir'aun. So strength is not from us. Strength is from Allah. And when you turn to Allah say, Ya Allah, embolden me, strengthen my heart, firm it up. You're the source. You'll find wonders happening. You think, how am I going to gain strength? I mean, I'm overwhelmed. Allah will make you witness this. You see, Musa witnessed it. Now, what we're going to witness is not necessarily a, a stick that turns into a snake, unless somebody tells me otherwise. So, can you imagine our reactions? It's like, yeah, I swear, I saw a stick turning into a snake. I'm like, oh, run, run the opposite direction. Somebody's gone nuts, right? That's what we're going to call them, crazy people. You never know. 
First of all, you never know. But we're going to witness amazing things in our journeys that are so specific to us. We witness them emotionally, spiritually. These experiences of life where Allah sends you powerful signs. Maybe it is a random person that shows up to just give you, you know, a, a pep talk and, and encourage you a little bit. Say, hang in there, don't worry. Or somebody else who tells you, just give me a call. I'll be there for you, right, if you need anything. Mm. Or another person, as we said in last Jummah, the khutbah, making what for you? Dua for you. And how about remembering in that moment when you are afraid to talk to someone that the angels of Allah are making dua for you. It's in the Quran. Now some people witness this and see it, right? They feel it, they sense it. Within that moment when Allah plants that awareness in you, is strength, is healing. One thought changes us. Where you begin to see Allah Azza So imagine what's happening to Musa now, and indeed he's being strengthened, and then he goes to Fir'aun, and he shows these signs to Fir'aun. And what was Fir'aun's reaction? So, Musa encountered the sons of Allah, and he was humbled, wasn't he? And his faith in Allah was strengthened. That's one reaction. He goes and shows the same signs to who? Fir'aun. Here he is. He throws the stick, turns into a snake. He puts his hand under his, you know, you know, right armpit, and it comes out different color. Same signs. What is what is now the reaction of Fir'aun? Belief, humility, gratitude, rebellion. He rebelled further. What's, what's, what's the difference? A heart that is blind. Arrogance. Because he chose not to be guided. He chose not to be guided, even though the signs are so clear to him, should humble him. I mean, these are miracles happening, happening, happening in front of him. And yet he rejects them with obstinance, right? So Allah is demonstrating to us in the surah the reactions, how one can respond with humility and gratitude instantly because of the power of these signs and their miraculous nature. And someone else will be what? Will, be, will experience a greater and more intense rejection of Allah. Further misguided by the same signs. It's the same encounter. Different outcomes, different reactions. So Allah says, he says, when the manifest signs of Allah came to them, what was their reaction? His Fir'aun and his people, they now didn't want to believe. But they saw something strange. They didn't understand. So what did they do? What does the shaitan do to you? He says, call it something different. That's it. So you start to fool yourself. Instead of saying, wow, this is a miracle, my eyes can't understand this. Oh, I should be humble. There's a greater power that is bigger than me. That should be the reaction. They said, mm, no, it's magic. That's it. Dismiss the whole thing by calling it what? Magic. Because magic is what? Is that which fools the eyes. So since I got fooled, but I don't want to think further. I don't want to contemplate this. I don't want to humble myself, right? Because they're seeing themselves as gods. Fir'aun pointed himself as God. He just called it magic. That's all the shaitan does. The shaitan <coughs> misguides a human being into applying different labels and names to things. That's it. Right? So let's say 
you know, um, a lot of the, 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 the behaviors that we witness in our day and age are obscene. Obscene behaviors. Nakedness. It used to be something that is so frowned upon, it is unfathomable. Right? Right now, nakedness is being praised. And it's called what? Liberation. Freedom. You see, it's, uh, the word freedom and liberation is, is a very positive, these are positive terms, aren't they? So the shaitan, instead of calling the thing or, you know, helping you see that it's obscene, he fools you by making you introduce or use a different label. He says, you know, no, 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 it's not obscene, it's freedom. Be free. Suddenly, you say, hey, why are you not free? You need to be free and express yourself that way. So take off your clothes. You see, you see the difference, brothers and sisters, how we trick ourselves, delude ourselves, and these are the tactics of the shaitan. Fir'aun and his people did that exact thing. Instead of believing, they called it what? Magic. Allah now goes on to tell us another story with similar lessons. Encounters with the sons of Allah. The things that you look at are not what you think they are. And even the teachers in life are not who you think they are. Not only the, so even, even the range of, of the knowledge of Allah and the instruments that deliver this knowledge are beyond your comprehension. They're going to come to you. The encounters are extensive and powerful. So Allah Azza now speaks to us about Dawood and Sulaiman, specifically about the knowledge they were granted. And he says, when, and he says, وَلَقَدْ أَتَيْنَا دَاوُدَ وَسُلَيْمَانَ عِلْمًا He says in verse 14, and we have given Dawood and Sulaiman knowledge. Now you and I instantly think of certain forms of knowledge. Things that we render as knowledge. Perhaps it's book knowledge. Right? Whatever it is. We have a limited understanding of knowledge. Now, we are aware that the prophets of Allah were granted far greater knowledge than all of us. And they witnessed things far greater than what we have witnessed. What do you think the gist, the wisdom of that knowledge, the essence of it, the fruit of it, is culminates in what? One behavior, one attitude. What is it? It's, it's answered right away in the verse. Waqala. Now, Dawood and Sulaiman were granted knowledge of Allah. Dawood is the father, Sulaiman is the son. They saw things. They understood things from Allah Azza wa Now they're going to express that understanding and awareness with their behavior and with words. What do you think the gift, excuse me, the expression of that knowledge is? How did they express it? What is the, the, the sum of that knowledge? Is, is, is in the form of what attitude, what reaction, what behavior that Dawood and Sulaiman have shown? What do they say? Waqala. Alhamdulillah. They both said, as a result of that understanding, Alhamdulillah. The gist of all that knowledge is to express what? Gratitude to Allah. Allah says, you see, don't be fooled by even the magnitude of knowledge. All that knowledge that you seek to, to, you know, to learn in this journey of life that Allah can empower you with, is all to make you what? Grateful to Allah. So if you've amassed all PhDs in the world, all book knowledge, you know, stuff more information in your brain, and you cannot be humble to Allah, you're what? Ignorant in the book of Allah. You granted zero knowledge. Because knowledge is about, it's not about information. It's about essence and truth. 
It's a means to an end, and the end is not the piece of information itself. The end is Allah Himself. That information, that piece of information, that piece of data, brothers and sisters, is an instrument. One plus one is an instrument equals two. Unless somebody wants to worship that formula. Ultimately, it's assigned to Allah Azza to make us understand things, their reality, but ultimately to steer us to the source, Allah Azza and to be grateful to Allah. So Dawood and Sulaiman clearly were wise people, knowledgeable people. How do we know? Because they both said what? Alhamdulillah. And what is Alhamdulillah? The first verse after Bismillah Rahim in the Quran. Isn't it true? Surah Al-Fatiha that we recite minimum 17 times a day. Has you and me every single time we rise to pray to Allah saying Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. What does the expression mean? Alhamdulillah is a praise of Allah. A praise of Allah. In which you acknowledge and affirm your awareness of what? The perfection of Allah. How do you praise someone that you don't like? The expression itself says that you like Allah. So if we're saying it without awareness, you know, we're missing out on the beauty of this expression. The expression is training our minds to say, affirm the perfection of Allah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah is, is full praise and acknowledgement of Allah's presence and His perfection and His beauty. Right? Alhamdulillah. So I'm acknowledging you, Allah, and I'm praising you and I'm adoring you. Alhamdulillah is not just thanks. Alhamd is gratitude combined with adoration. It's, it's one thing to say shukran, thank you. It's quite another to say, I'm blown away by you. So I'm thankful to you because I've, I've, I've witnessed things on you and I have this sensation of adoration and respect and awe of you. It's not just thanking someone. It's loving them and adoring them. All contained within the word hamd. So it combines both gratitude and praise of the one that you are looking at because you adore him or her for whatever good they have. Does that make sense? You're impressed by them. All that is within the word, alhamdulillah. How can you and I sufficiently thank Allah? Impossible. It's impossible to thank Allah sufficiently. So no matter how much we do and say, we cannot thank Allah. You know, sometimes even human beings, they overwhelm us with their generosity. We say, I don't know how to thank you. Isn't it true? I don't know how to say thank you. You hug them, you say thank you. But you say, please, I really, really want you to know that I'm grateful to you, right? Some people are you know, more expressive than others. And it's a problem people are not grateful. We know this. We struggle. We experience pain when others are not grateful to us. But words cannot capture the gratitude in our hearts. Imagine now when we're talking about Allah. So Allah says, don't worry. I'm going to teach you words. These are words from Allah that will suffice that gratitude. That will be enough if they come out of your heart. He says, don't worry, you don't have to say much. You don't have to invent a, a dictionary of words. Come up with an encyclopedia of expression to me. No, 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 don't worry. All you have to say is do what? All you have to do is say what? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah from your heart. If you say this from your heart and you repeat it daily, Allah is happy. Allah is happy. This turns out to be the wisdom, excuse me, the essence of the knowledge and wisdom of Sulaiman and Dawood. All the knowledge that we heard about, you know, you know, uh, being kind of shown in their lives. 
all the power, all this beautiful kingdom that they possess, all of it comes down to Alhamdulillah. They said, Alhamdulillah, they said, Alhamdulillah, to the one who has elevated us and has given us far more than others. They acknowledge and understand whatever they have is from who? Allah Azawajal. And then Allah Azawajal says, وَوَرِثَ سُلَيْمَانُ Dawood," And Sulaiman inherited Dawood. And then he said this, وَقَالَ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ عُلِّمْنَا مَنْطِقَ الطَّيْرِ وَأُوْتِينَ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ إِنَّ هَذَا لَهُوَ الْفَضْلُ الْمُبِينَ So Sulaiman said to people, see Sulaiman is a son and he inherited this lofty kingdom from his father and this knowledge, special knowledge from Allah. Allah is the teacher. Allah is the teacher. And we cannot be the same in our knowledge, in our understandings. Right? So he was given special knowledge and a speci special gifts from Allah Azza and he understood them. So he says to the people, O oh people, we have been taught Mantiqat Tayr. What is Mantiqat Tayr? We've been taught the speech of what? Birds. Wa'utina, and we've been given from everything. Allah has given him this extensive, lofty kingdom and a, and a special gift of being able to understand the communication of other creatures. In this case, he's referring to the speech of the birds, but not only just the birds. He communicated with the jinn, with the ants, with the trees, with the clouds, with everything. And he understood what? Their language. So what does that mean? Why is he talking about Mantiqat Tayr? He's referring to another level of consciousness. It's all about consciousness. What are you conscious of? What are you aware of? The folder or the inside of the folder, right? The staff or the other reality of the staff? The bird that you're looking at, you're looking at it, it's just a flying bird. You know, sending poop onto your windshield, right? Annoying us here and there, whispering in the morning, right? And even that we've taken for granted. It's just another noise. Right? That's it. They're beautiful. You say, SubhanAllah. Sulaiman is telling you and me, and it's not just, Sulaiman is referring to us to a deeper reality. He's saying, you have, this is your level of consciousness. There's a higher level of consciousness that Allah permitted me to have about that bird. All the birds. It turns out they speak. And by the way, we're discovering what? This is not, you know, new to any of us. We know that the creation of Allah, the animals speak, the plants communicate. We know, we've known this for a very long time, but we don't understand how they communicate. So we're discovering some of their modes of communication, including, you know, uh, exchange of signals, chemicals, so on and so forth. They don't have words like us, but they have other modes of communication. What Allah is showing us is that there is a deeper reality to things. The bird is not what you think it is. It's actually a nation, a community of, 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 of uh, creatures that... That, that, that connect with one another, converse with one another, build with one another, care for one another. Umamun amthalukum. Allah says in the Quran, they're umam, they're communities and nations like you. But you just do not understand them. And that's just another layer. What he's given Sulaiman is access to that. And he made him see other dimensions to that reality to the point where he even understands their language. Now what was his response? Oh, look at me. I understand birds, right? So again, please don't show up one day telling your wife, I, I heard a bird talk to me, right? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, all of us have these interesting experiences with things, right? But again, it's just different levels of consciousness. Imagine one day, we literally, you say, 
I heard an ant talk. I heard a bird speak, right? Again, people will not believe you. It's not normal. Suleiman was given this gift, and he made us aware of it. But it's not just a, a special power given. It's a reference to a deeper reality about birds and all creation of Allah, as we're going to see. So Allah tells us, وَحُشِرُ لِسُلَيْمَانَ جُنُودُهُ مِنَ الْجِنِّ Allah has given him the ability to control this creation as well. So Suleiman had legions of jinn, armies of, of birds and, and animals serving him. And how did he use these gifts? That's a, another expression of gratitude. Gratitude is not just something we say with our tongues. Ultimately, it's about using the gifts that Allah has given us in good to serve Allah himself. So Allah has given him all this power, all these armies, right, to extend the kingdom of Allah on this earth and to serve the good of Allah on this earth. So Sulaiman did this. Sulaiman did this. Spread the good on this earth using these gifts of Allah has given him. So one day we know the story, we're all familiar with, comes across a valley of the ants. A valley of ants. So imagine, you know, Sulaiman walking, right, leading this, this army of, of creatures going about their business now in the conduct of even big affairs in our lives. We're busy, we're working hard, right? We're doing something good. When we are paying attention to big things, we tend to forget what? The little things. How often does it happen that we forget about people around us, right? We're going to have now a beautiful lesson in that. A beautiful lesson about this teacher, Sulaiman, the leader, who's aware of things, but that even Sulaiman, with his knowledge and wisdom, can forget about little things. And he needs to be what? Reminded. That even the most knowledgeable and the most powerful should humble themselves and they need to be reminded. No one is above it because we're human beings. So they've come across this valley of ants and suddenly Allah now tells us in the Quran, قَالَتْ نَمْلَ So Allah says, an ant said. So Allah suddenly is going to introduce us to this beautiful ant. You would think the hero of the story is who? The hero should be Sulaiman, right? The teacher is Sulaiman. Allah is going to stun us in this, in this surah. Is it tells the teacher, the ultimate teacher, the amazing teacher of this surah is the ant. And we're going to call the surah the ants. The wise one is the ant. The one that is going to humble things around it and, and, and elevate our awareness is the ant in the surah by the permission of Allah. This little tiny ant, the humble servant of Allah. We think it's a little tiny ant. It doesn't matter. All you want to do is just Get rid of it and step on it, right? Because they're annoying creatures. That's what we think. They have another reality to them. And not only do they, do they have a community, they speak to each other and care about each other. So we're suddenly going to now see this wisdom of the ant showing up, manifesting to teach you and me about Allah. It's an encounter. Encountering the sons of Allah. And here is Sulaiman as he is going about doing his business global business in his global empire who cares about little things right i have big things to achieve lands to conquer and Allah says mm, pause he came across a valley of ants and suddenly an ant spoke so allah is going to tell us about this distinct leader ant that was distinguished by its care for its you know comrades 
for its community. So Allah tells us, because He's the one who created the thing and gave it language, He's going to tell us what the ant said. There's no other, there's no way you and I could have, could have understood this, could have heard this from any other source but the Quran. How would you know what the ant told Sulaiman? How would you and I know? Impossible. It is impossible. Alhamdulillah for the Quran that came from Allah to come and tell us about a conversation that you and I would never know about. So Allah says, this namla turned to its people and it said to them, Udkhulu masakinakum. It cared so much, it was concerned about the other ants being destroyed by Sulaiman and his people. So it said to them, oh ants, get back into your homes lest that Sulaiman and his army would destroy you without them knowing. It's a very uh, smart ant and thoughtful ant. It's a smart and thoughtful ant, right? Carrying this anxiety, this concern for its people that they become destroyed, the other ants. And it, it, it sees the, the, the army coming. Now the amazing thing about what it says is that A, it, it cares about the other ants. It says, get back into your home quickly, hide quickly before they destroy you, before they step on you. But it acknowledged something amazing. Now, you could have been angry. You see something bad happen, coming to you. Somebody coming and they're not looking, right? We tend to attribute bad intentions to people, right? Did the ant attribute bad intentions to Suleiman and his army? No. It actually said to the other ants because it was concerned about their conclusions. Why is Suleiman coming and he's going to step on us? Shouldn't he, you know, like uh, take another route? Shouldn't he look down? The ant was concerned that the other ants wouldn't understand and they will misjudge Sulaiman and hate Sulaiman. So what did it say? Get back into your homes quickly, lest that Sulaiman and his army destroy you without them what? Knowing. Even the little ant understood. No, 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 no. Don't, mis don't misjudge Sulaiman. Sulaiman is a good man. He's just a human being. He doesn't know. He doesn't see you. Right? How many of us would attribute good intentions to anyone, right? The ant, the, the wise teacher in this story is the ant, who is now teaching us about care and concern for others, going beyond just doing you know, things that are, that are self-centered, right? Out of care, out of good intentions, but on top of this, attributing good intentions to someone who's about to hurt you, could potentially hurt you. It says, get back into your home, lest that he destroys you without him knowing. Now, Sulaiman was granted what? This special knowledge, of understanding the communication of other creation, so he heard her. He heard the ant. Allah tells us now, describes to us his reaction. He says, Now, Sulaiman heard, as he's walking, suddenly, he's, you know, he's going about doing his business, suddenly he hears words. He doesn't know where it's coming from. He hears an ant, and he understood it was an ant, because he was given special access to their communication. So when he heard that communication in whatever means it was, he understood it was coming from what? An ant. He's looking around. Can you imagine? My goodness, I'm hearing an ant talk, and he heard the words of the ants. What was his reaction? Remember this surah is about reactions to the sons of Allah when you encounter is that a sign or not? He came across a, a miracle right now, like the staff of Musa. We're always encountering the sons of Allah. Either we dismiss them, 
we gloss over them, or we reject them, calling them something else, ah, magic, like Fir'aun, right? Or we are what? Delighted and become what? Grateful. So the reaction of Suleiman was captured. And Allah tells us how, how he reacted, saying, he smiled. He was so amused, not laughing at, hey, you stupid ant, look at him, step on you right now, right? <laughs> right? No, he, he was so amused, and he wasn't arrogant, like, mm, look at me, I understand ants. Hey, Jen, did you see that? I, I, I heard an ant right now. No, 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 none of this, none of this. He was amused by this beautiful son of Allah Azza wa Jal. And, the, and, 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 and the, uh, the beautiful character of this ant. That this ant came now to talk to me, remind me, and humble me. So he was so amused by this and the words of the ants that he now had a, an, an even more profound reaction. His reaction was to turn once again with, to who? Allah. Allah with gratitude. So now he says a dua. He was so humbled by this experience. He didn't just gloss over it, laugh at it, and say, I'm going to go home and tell my wife a story. You know, this amazing thing that I saw today. You know, and you go about describing your narrative, and you're excited. He, he just paused. He stopped his whole army, turned to Allah with humility, and made a dua. And this dua is overflowing <coughs> with one thing, gratitude to Allah. And it's a dua echoed in another place in the, um, or repeated, in, in similar language, in another, in another verse in the Quran, in another surah. And it's a dua in which Sulaiman says this, O oh Allah, Rabbi awzi'ni an ashkura ni'amataka allati an'amta alayya wa ala walidayya wa an'amala salihan taradah wa adkhilni birahmatika fi ibadika salih. Beautiful, comprehensive dua. It's a beautiful, comprehensive dua. Remember, the knowledge of Sulaiman and how it culminates in gratitude to Allah Azza How will you express this gratitude? Remember again that du'as express our wishes and, yearn and wishes and yearnings. The priorities, the things that we care about the most, are expressed in what? Our du'as, right? The, the du'as that you deliver to Allah Azza Speak of what you want, what I want. Speak of our fears. What are the priorities on the mind of Sulaiman what are those important things? The people will learn from the teachers should be these messengers of Allah who granted knowledge and wisdom. So within their du'as, we learn so much about what? What is important? <coughs> what knowledge is? What wisdom is? What to even ask for? And what did he ask for? Here's what he asked for. He says, Ya Allah, I just, I just heard an ant talk. And I could have trampled on the ant and killed the ant without me even knowing. Here I am trying to do big things on this earth and I could have killed what? trampled on an ant. He was like so humbled by that. And remembered right away, I'm limited. Turned to Allah and says, Ya Allah, here's number one request. Grant me the ability to be thankful to you for the gifts you have given me and my parents. That's number one. So what is he saying here? Ya Allah, I'm grateful to you, but gratitude is not for me. He's referring his gratitude back to who? Allah, Allah is the source of your gratitude. Meaning what? Even your ability to say Alhamdulillah is not from you only. You only. Our actions are from who? Allah Himself. That is understanding. That is wisdom, brothers and sisters. 
Imagine us, like when we are actually have a good quality, we've accomplished something good, we become so proud of ourselves. It's good to feel good, by the way. Allah wants you to feel good about what you've done, right? Allah doesn't want us to feel miserable. But Allah wants us to acknowledge where that gift came from, where the word came from, where even the thought came from. Sometimes you think of something brilliant, a solution to a problem, you say, oh, I can't believe I got it. I was, uh, I made a good recommendation uh, one day about, you know, one of the brothers knows this. I was like, made good suggestion to my wife one day about something in the house. And, you know, we come back and say, oh, it was such a good decision. I keep saying, remember who, who made that decision? Remember? And it's like, yeah, yeah, good. I'm like, no, no, not enough. Say something more. Praise me, right? <laughs> because I'm so happy with the decision, you need acknowledgement of it. Sulaiman comes across this and his understanding is like, wow, look at my knowledge. Mm -mm. He says, Ya Allah, grant me right now the ability to thank you. Because even thanking you is a gift that I cannot have on my own. <coughs> thank you for what? Thank you, Ya Allah. Grant me the ability, the power, because this is the ultimate thing. If I miss out on expressing gratitude to you, I'm ignorant. I'm lost. Ya Allah, grant me the ability to be thankful to you for all the gifts you've given me. And who? My parents. He didn't forget where he came from. His parents. Right? So this dua also shows us that you're able to express gratitude on behalf of your parents. To do good things on behalf of who? Your parents. So this is a form of gratitude. A form of gratitude for the believer is to be thankful to their parents and grateful to them. And to go to Allah and say, Ya Allah, reward them. Ya Allah, make them grateful, Ya Allah. You know, Ya Allah, grant me the ability to thank you on their own behalf. Even if they're not expressing gratitude, Ya Allah, here I am expressing gratitude on their behalf, and Allah will grant them and you the reward of that. Grant them and you the reward of this. What else does he ask for? The other request is also speaking of his humility, his wisdom and his knowledge. The second dua is, or the second request is, Remember, knowledge is about humility. If somebody is really knowledgeable, they're grateful and they're humble. They don't, you know, they're not self-praising. They're not ones that see themselves as above others. He says, Ya Allah, adkhilni. Excuse me. Ya Allah, grant me now another ability. Ya Allah, grant me the ability to do good deeds that please you. Do righteous things that please you. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful dua. It's a very wise dua. What is he saying? Ya Allah, grant me the ability to do good things. Enough? No. All of us want to accomplish big things in life, don't we? Important things, recognizable things. All of us want praise. All of us want to feel good about our achievements. And we're encouraged and inspired by achievements. When we look at the achievements of others, we're uplifted, we're motivated, or we can, or we can become jealous, right? And we say, ah, how come not me? Right? Allah says, well, you have gifts. Do your best with them. Push yourself, and you shall see and witness. It's not easy. It's not easy. But what is it that motivates human beings to achieve? Self-interest. It could be also the recognition of others. How many of us earn titles just to be called with these titles? And demand. Respect is good. But how about now worshipping the thing that we have earned? All reminding like, I've done that. Remember what I've done? Like me telling him, I was like, I'm, I'm the one who made that recommendation, right? I want, I want, a, I want acknowledgement and, and recognition of it. Now that can go to an extreme. 
where we start to worship these things, even worship the achievements, and seek the achievements for the pleasure of others as well. We just want their acknowledgement, full acknowledgement of it. Of course, that's normal, but that becomes the thing that we desire. That becomes the object of worship. What does Sulaiman say? Ya Allah, grant me the ability to do good deeds that what? Please. That's it. All that matters is what? Pleasure of Allah. Imagine now when we do our actions for nothing but the pleasure of Allah. Suddenly, it relaxes the human being, right? It heals us. It doesn't make us as angry because we're not waiting for thank you from others. We're waiting for a thank you from Allah. We should expect it, but it's, it's, we need to be thanked by others. It's, 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 it's righteous behavior. But ultimately, when we're looking at Allah and we seek His pleasure, Allah rectifies our hearts. That's the second request. The third is what? What does He say? Another request that expresses His humility. What does He say? Ya Allah, allow me or join me with who? Admit me with your mercy into who? The company of the righteous. So Sulaiman, again, this is a dua echoed uh, also on the tongue of Ibrahim. All these great righteous messengers of Allah never said, Ya Allah, join others with us. Make, us, make them righteous like us. They said, Ya Allah, no. Make us, join us with the righteous. So they never see, saw themselves as, you know, the, 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 the ultimate, right, creation of Allah. No, no, no. They understood they're humble creatures of Allah who are gifted and they asked Allah to join them with the righteous. Again, expressing their humility and how they want to, how they yearn for that beautiful company in this world and where? In the hereafter. Three things, brothers and sisters. I highly encourage you to memorize this dua. Highly encourage you to memorize this dua. Let's inshallah touch on one more story and wrap up with it. Going further into the life of Sulaiman, Allah is going to show us another uh, story that shows or speaks of this encounter with the sons of Allah and the reaction to it. And this is now illustrated through another teacher in the surah. And the teacher here is not Sulaiman again. Allah is going to speak of another creation of Allah that carries this concern for the well-being of others. We saw the ant being concerned for the well-being of other ants and fearing that they will be trampled on by someone who didn't know. And Sulaiman was humbled by this and understood, I could have trampled easily if it wasn't for the mercy of Allah. Ya Allah, make me thankful to you. Don't make me hurt someone without, without even knowing while I'm doing big things. We come across now al-hudhud. What is al-hudhud? The hoople, right? Another beautiful bird that Allah Azzawajal mesmerizes us with, with its, with its beauty. Allah speaks of this bird, and He tells us about another reality to this bird. You see, it's a bird, it's a beautiful bird. We say, SubhanAllah. He says, you see, this bird carries a concern for the well-being of the creation of Allah, like the ant. It's a wise teacher. And this bird was in the army of Sulaiman. But this bird is not happy. This bird is searching, looking for what? Traveling the lands to look for what? Just what's happening? Check out on the check the state of, of affairs with others and report it back to Sulaiman alayhi salam. So Allah Azza wa tells us what happens in verse 20 with Now 
So the man is an exceptional leader <coughs> who's paying attention, who does not forget about his service, who does not forget about his army, who accounts for everyone. That's why he was so successful, by the way. He wasn't a sloppy manager. This guy knew his business inside out and accounted for everyone in the organization. They didn't just define the goals of the organization. He knew every one of them by name, right? And he constantly checked on, 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 where they, on, on their whereabouts and what they were doing to ensure what? That they're successful as an organization, as a team, to accomplish the goals that Allah has asked them to accomplish. If he doesn't check on, on what they're doing, the whole endeavor will fail. Isn't it true? So he's, he's looking around for this bird and didn't find this bird. And Allah tells us of this, and he says, Where's this hudhud? Where's this hupa? And he became very angry. Why? Because he's expecting the bird to be in its place. If everybody starts, you know, starts to leave the operation, and people are not showing up to work, how are we, we going to do the work? So he was angry. Because in his, in his mind is the ultimate priority of serving Allah Azza wa Jal. He says, where is this bird? I'm going to kill this bird once I find it. Because it, it disobeyed Sulaiman by not being in its place. And so Allah tells us, after a while, the bird comes back. And he comes straight to Sulaiman and tells Sulaiman what? Oh Sulaiman, oh Sulaiman, I found you know, something amazing. I came across amazing news. Something happened. So Sulaiman allows the bird to tell him what happened. So in verse 23, the bird tells Sulaiman, I found a woman. He says to Sulaiman, I found a woman queen. And this woman queen rules over a people and she had resources. She has resources and she possesses a, a great throne. So he's talking about the queen of who? Sheba, Balqis, as she's called, right? This amazing queen in another land. And this bird flew over their land and saw this queen and saw these, these people and saw the great throne that she possessed. And what else did, she, did he find that made him upset? He says, I found her and her people worshipping the sun, prostrating the sun, aside from Allah, besides Allah. So what was the reaction of uh, the bird? Very angry. He said, how can these people worship someone other than Allah? So Allah is teaching us again that other creation of Allah are not just singing beautiful tunes and just taking the crumbs of you know, bread and running away with it. No, 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 no. They're worshipping Allah. And they're stunned, stunned that some creation of Allah do not worship Allah. They're very angry. They, they're, they're concerned about this. And they want people to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah Azza wa Jal is also now reminding us of this, this, this um, significant priority in our lives, which is to be concerned for the faith of Allah on this earth. And to be concerned about the faith of people and their relationship with Allah Azza wa Jal. We shouldn't just say, it's just me and my family, right? Be concerned only with our affairs and our well-being and our faith and spirituality. Allah is telling us, who amongst us carries this mission? this task on their shoulders to care for the well-being of others and their faith and their awareness of the truth and to help them gain that. He says the bird had that. The bird had that. How about you and me? So he's telling Sulaiman the story and then um, 
Sulaiman's reaction is what? Did he say, forget about this queen. How, how come you left? Right? He didn't do this. He understood that this bird left with good intentions. And as a good, wise leader, what did he do? He let it go. Why? Because he understood. This bird brought back great news. And he was concerned and he's serving it. So he was thankful to Allah for this. So he instantly said, what? Um, he says, take to the same bird. He says, take this letter from me. He wrote a letter. He wrote a letter to Balqis. He said, take this letter from me um, in, verse, in verse 28. Take this letter from me and throw this letter on them and let them read it, right? And let's see what they come back with. So the bird flew back to Yemen and threw the letter, you know, and, 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 and they, gra- they, they grabbed the letter and they took the letter to Balqis and Balqis opened the letter and she read the letter from Sulaiman and what did the letter say? Allah tells us in Surah 30 what happens. She opened the letter and within it she found these words. The letter said, this letter is from Sulaiman and it is Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Right? In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the, the merciful. Do not be arrogant with me. Right? Do not be arrogant with me and come to me as Muslims. Very simple. It's like, come and submit to Allah Azza wa Jal. Very short letter. So Balqis now is what? Allah now shows us in this beautiful surah also a beautiful model of wise leadership. Wise female leadership and governance. This woman was not an out-of-control king, you know, queen, right? Like many kings are, right? Who like react with what? How dare this guy say to me, submit to God? Who is he to tell me this? And she was, by the way, a powerful queen with a powerful army, and she had a lofty kingdom. She could have easily reacted with what? Foolishness. And meaning power with what? <clears throat> power. Don't you see this in politics all the time? Mm-hmm. On global affairs? A simple act can trigger a war, right? Sometimes it's strategized, but sometimes it's just a reaction, an emotional reaction, so that you don't lose face, right? We do it in human interactions. How dare you tell me that? I'm going to show you, right? Balqis could have, could have done this, but if she did this, what, what could have happened? She would have been wiped out, not just her, her people. She reminds me of the ant. The ant is like saying, don't let them trample on you without knowing. So what does this wise queen do? She instantly goes back to her council. And she says, tell me, here's, here's a letter that I received. Read it with me, right? And give me your opinion on it. So again, consultation. So she's a wise queen who consults with her people. Her answer to her is this. The council says, to her, we're, we're, we're strong. Don't worry. If you need us to fight, these people will fight them. We're not afraid of anyone. You tell us what you want us to do. She's very wise. She knew the answer, by the way. She knew. But she wanted to what? To enlist them in the decision. She says, I hear you. Here's what I think. She says, powerful kings, if they enter into a land as invaders, what's going to happen? They destroy it. We can, we will lose our dignity and honor. And I don't want this for my people. So she's very wise. So let me do this instead. Diplomacy. She says, let me send him a gift and see what his response is. So she sends him a gift. And then Allah Azza wa Jal says, when Sulaiman received her gift, which was, you know, kind of uh, 
lavish gift of, 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 of uh, you know, ornaments and beautiful things, right? To impress Suleiman, right? Because she was a wealthy queen with resources. So she sent him something very precious, whatever it was, something valuable and precious. When Suleiman received that gift, whatever it was, what does he say? He says, you want to impress me with this? Suleiman, imagine his resources. He says, you want to impress me with this? You really like very happy people. You think you have a lot. He says to the one who delivered the, the, the gift, he says, return back to them. We're going to come back to them with an army. They don't see the end of it. Right? They don't see the end of it. Then he says, you know what? I'm going to do also something else. He says, who will bring me her throne? Right? He's talking to who now? His servants, his people. Also, there's jinn present. Right? He says, who will bring me her throne? So one of them said, a very uh, sizable jinn. Right? Um, bigger jinn. Ifrit is, is a big jinn with a lot of power. He's, so Ifrit, from the jinn, he says, I'll bring you her throne before you get up from your seat. How do they do this? They have access to powerful means that Allah has given them, other dimensions that they're able to do things in a blink of an eye. He said, I'll get it for you before you get up from your place, and indeed I can do that. Another one in the gathering says, no, 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 no. I'll bring, I'll bring it to you. So Allah says, Someone with special knowledge from the gathering that Allah has given him, he says, I'll give it to you before you blink. Before you blink. And indeed, before he blinked, what happened? He saw the throne. With the blink of an eye. He said, I'll bring it to you before you blink, and it was there. So, he saw it in front of, in front of him. What does he say? What's his reaction? Again, imagine if this happens in front of you. Say, whoa, hey. Abdullah, go do that. Like, I can have the whole world right now in front of us. Like, I can just start ordering people, right? He says, oh my goodness, this is a test from Allah. For what? Ashkuru am akfar. For me to either thank Allah or become kafir. Right? Intoxicated with my power. He says, this is a test for me. So the Iman is saying this. This is a test for me. And indeed, whoever thanks, thanks for himself. You gain the, 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 the blessings of gratitude. And then he says, now disguise, the, disguise this, disguise this throne. Because we're going to invite her, right? We're going to invite Bilqis. But disguise the throne, and let's see what happens. Bilqis travels all the way to the palace of Suleiman to answer his invitation. And she walks in, very smart, very intelligent, very wise. She could have easily also rejected this offer, right? She could have easily rejected the offer and unleashed hell. Let's start a war. She says, no, 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 I'll go all the way there if I have to, to protect my community, to protect my nation, right? So she goes into his palace. Remember this surah is about what? Illusions. Seeing things and, or believing things, or looking at the surface of things and judging them by that surface, by that appearance, outward appearance. So she sees extraordinary things. Here is her encounter with the sons of Allah Azza wa Jal. She had no idea what power and knowledge Sulaiman has as she entered his palace. Here's what happened. She was invited into the pavilion, into this special room, and she gets into this room. The door is open, 
and she starts to walk and she's looking at the ground and what does she see? What does she think she sees? It's an illusion. She's walking on this floor and it looks like it was what? It's moving, right? It's glittering and moving. It looks like water. It looks literally like water. And she thought it was fluid, so she thinks now she's walking on water. What does she do? She lifted her dress up to start walking on the water. And she was not saying, like, I'm not going to walk on water. She really thought it was water, that she can walk on it. And she lifted her dress and started to walk. What did she discover? It's not water. It just was, it just looked like water. What was it? Allah tells us it was, it was a ground paved with slabs of, of crystals. And the crystal, you know, had, you know, kind of was moving in a way or, you know, sending out colors, excuse me, sending out colors and waves in a way that made it look like water. Now, when she saw that and she saw the, 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 the lavishness of the place and the, the extraordinary nature of the palace and, and, and these crystals that looked like water, she was what? Blown away. Overwhelmed by the beauty, by the, by the, the, the astonishing nature of the palace, by, its, by, by the, by the uh, uh, power of Suleiman and his knowledge, what was her reaction, having encountered this sign? What does she do? So Allah Azza wa Jal will wrap up with this. Allah Azza wa Jal says to us how she reacted. Compare her reaction to who? Fir'aun What was Fir'aun's reaction? I am your Lord. Right? This is magic. Did she call it magic? What did she say? Qalat Rabbi, in verse 44, إِنِّي ظَلَمْتُ nafsi wa aslamtu مَعَ سُلَيْمَانَ Ya Allah, I acknowledge what? My guilt. She acknowledged her guilt instantly. Understood what was I worshipping? Because she saw through the wisdom of Sulaiman and his knowledge and his power, right? That indeed there is a bigger source. She understood the message right away. What am I worshipping? I just saw an example of a knowledge that is far greater than anything I could come across. Indeed, this is from Allah. Because this man who has this, Ask me to worship who? Allah has it instantly, instantly she submitted. And she said, Ya Allah, acknowledge my gift, my, my guilt. I acknowledge my guilt and I am submitting to you with Sulaiman. So the, the student joins the teacher. The humble queen, brothers and sisters, join, joins the, the teacher in response to this message of Allah Azza So this is what the surah is about, ultimately the encounters with the sons of Allah Azza and the reactions of human beings to them. These signs that show us this deep knowledge and deep nature to the reality of things is not what they appear to be. Just as the hudhud wasn't, a, was, wasn't what it appeared to be, just as the ant, it wasn't what it was appeared to be, even Balqis, the queen, she comes in, right? And by the way, we forgot to talk about the, the throne, but it's okay, inshallah. He, you know, she looked at her throne and she says, they were asking her, is this your throne? And she says, it looks like it's my throne. Because it was disguised. She's discussed like, oh my goodness. She discussed like, it's my throne. How did I come here? That's why she submitted. And the reaction of the servants of Allah. We stop here, inshallah, and open the floor for questions or comments.
Just like you thought you were talking about the knowledge that Almighty Allah gives to a man, Almighty Allah gave another knowledge to the birds that one of the creatures of Almighty Allah. He was like a messenger to Suleiman, and he was so far. The bird was surprised that there are other creatures, there are other human beings that are not worshiping Allah, mm -hmm. and he brought the news mm -hmm. to Suleiman. Right? We live in a society where the majority of the people that we interact with are non-believers. What effort are we doing mm -hmm. to? To show them Islam. And the best way to do it is through our action. You don't have to invite them to Islam. No, you don't have to, because that's a natural instinct to people that when don't, they don't like, you are afraid of something. Sayyidina yeah. Ali said, you are, he said, human beings are ignorant. Or afraid of what they don't know. So the blasphemy they have for Islam has made a lot of people to not want to have an encounter with Muslims. So what does what do Muslims themselves do? We kind of separate ourselves from people. We try to do what we are just try to be timid, not talk about our religion. So we were talking about this last week, and I was telling people, I said, you don't have to tell them this. Uh, you are Muslim. Your action would have to tell them you are, you are Muslim. What do you do when it's time for Salah and you are in their midst? What do you do when they entrust you with responsibility? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you do with your punctuality when you come to work? What do you do with your job itself? They are very observant. Just like in the time when Yusuf was in, in, this, in the cell, the people there are disbelievers, but they are able to tell that he's a good person. Mm -hmm. So if people can, God has given us this ability, thinking faculty, that whether people disagree with you or not, they know the truth. Mm -hmm. Human beings know the truth. So now, as a believer, as a Muslim, we live in this country. We've, our comfort zone is when we come among our people. But our comfort zone, in terms of our reaction to what you do with people, should be our, our Islam that we exhibit towards doing the right thing so that they can see. If you are not there, they will make those comments. No, he's a good person. Mm -hmm. They don't know what you do. So when you do that, when we as Muslims do those things, they might not come to Islam, <coughs> but they will not be our enemy. They will not be against us. They will fight for us. They will stand by us, even though they don't know what we, we, 
And the ones that Almighty want to guide, they will approach you and ask questions, and you'll be able to guide them. Right. So it's just an advice that, no, no. you know. And you know, it's Jazakallah, a beautiful um, point and significant as well, is, you know, again, learning from the, from the hoodhood, and even the ad, what concerns do we have? Allah says this concern for faith, for truth, for the well-being of others, is, should be paramount on the mind of the believer. They don't just think about themselves, but I appreciate this advice, is that it's not about you talking. It's setting an example. And I tell you, we, we as Muslims, when we walk, when we live life, especially in the context that, context that, we, what, that we have, we, we, we need to be carrying bigger concerns. We need to be saying like, oh my goodness, I cannot be behaving like anyone. No, everything that I do is being observed and watched. So now my behavior is impacting a faith that I'm literally like a, like a banner, right? Literally declaring what this faith is because people don't know. So whatever behaviors I do, commitments I keep or not keep, dutifulness, promptness, excellence, manners, ethics, is going to reflect on my family and my faith. Wow, that's a responsibility. It's not easy, but it's, a, it's an honor. So, I, I, you know, speaking of, of what to do, you know, Abdullah, like imagine if just each and every one of us just affected five people, ten people. Can you imagine what happens? Like, just think of the numbers. Most of us are not able, even able to, uh, you know, impact others through even something good that we can do. A good word, right? Keeping our promises, we heard the beautiful example. Simple things. It's not about just preaching da'wah from the pulpit, right? That's not what the truth is about. So the beautiful point, brothers and sisters, is very actionable. And it speaks of a responsibility that Allah demonstrated through the example of the hudhud, right? The hudhud did what he can. He couldn't do much more. He just reported the news. But it's about really the standards of behavior that we can exhibit to people. That impacts people more than anything else. That when people look at it and say, that's beautiful. That's good, right? Whatever it is that is teaching you, that is a good thing. That's, a, that's the insight that they will draw. Barakallah for this point. Go ahead. I think what, what we just discussed and talked about it, and thank you so much uh, for excellent point. It's, everything is summarized in the surah, uh, in the prayer, um, uh, Sulaiman. Yes, yes that's true. He said, make me good, make me the righteous people. Uh, and join me with the righteous people. So I think that, uh, and mm -hmm. so all of that is, is said in that prayer, summarized in that prayer. If you follow that prayer, I think we are doing the right exactly thing. That's actually a beautiful point. You see the, the dua, it, because what is the point of the dua? Allah put this dua in Surah Tamil for you and me to learn it. So we can say it, so we can reflect on it. And the dua itself tells us what to do, what the mission is. Jazakallah khair. Ya Allah, grant me the ability to be thankful to you and to do good deeds, to be that role model that, is that inspires for you. you. Exactly. The intention is not me. The intention is Allah. Right? Beautiful dot. Jazakallah khair for summarizing, helping us see it through another action we can take, which is make this dot, brothers and sisters. And I'll, I'm going to go back to you, inshallah. Let me just say what the verse is. Anybody can pick up the verse? 19. 19. Verse 19. Jazakallah khair. Verse that he memorizes du'a and say, please go. Um, I was just thinking when you mentioned about the du'a, the thought came to my mind. There's a similar du'a, you know, 
But the bottom line that I just thought about is that it talks about gratitude. You know, when you etiquettes of dua, you praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you show your gratitude, and then you uh, ask for something. True. Like you say, join me with the salihin, or when you talk about any uh, about your family, and also for forgiveness, and to join you with the Muslimin. And then also I thought about uh, Dua of Surah Yusuf al-Islam. Fatira samawati wala anta baliye fit dunya wala akhira. Tawakhani Muslim wal hikni bis salihi. So these are all, I think, you show gratitude, which is very important. And it, I think, tells you about the etiquettes of Dua. Yeah. May Allah bless you. First of all, you're connecting the the different passages of the Quran and du'as to to illustrate this similarity and compatibility. So Sister Nigat just uh, also uh, referred us to another verse in the Quran, Surah Al-Ahqaf. Exact same du'a with just slight variation. A du'a that Allah told us, we need to say when we read, at least, you know, when we reach the age of 40. Because the age of 40 is the age of maturity, right? Where we should understand. Like, we shouldn't be like delaying the lessons of life to later. We really need to apply ourselves. Allah says, if you're normal and reach the age of 40, you'll be making this talk. Because it would speak of your real priorities. And what are they? In that verse, exact same thing. Ya Allah, grant me the ability to be thankful to you and to do righteous deeds that please you. Same thing. But also, it added, fix my children for me. So I'm recognizing, I'm like, what can I do for my children? I've done my best. Their hearts are in the hands of Allah. Ya Allah, guide my children for me. I submit to you. Same exact dua with a slight variation, just adding the piece about, Ya Allah, also help my children and guide them because I have no power. I've done my best. All about gratitude. May Allah bless you by this beautiful gratitude and doing, again, good deeds that please you because I'm also observed. My words are observed. I'll be honest with you. Slight thing that I'm on the roads. Like, you know, I'm always driving. Just I drive a lot. So you come across a lot more unfortunate things on the road, right? People doing nasty things, tailgating you. I mean, people just want to drive you off the road. So you tend to get angry. So sometimes you really want to, like, shout at people, do things. And I, I, I find myself, brothers and sisters, like, honestly, sometimes, like, almost like about to lose it. And I'm about to do that thing. It's like, press on the gas pedal, like cut him, whatever. And I'm like, Tarif, what are you about to do? Right? Like, what if this person really, like, you come out and you talk to them, and they're like, looking at you, you look foreigner, and whatever happens, and then suddenly it's known Islam. Yeah, you, I might feel justified that I put somebody in their place. Yeah, justified. You need to. But be careful of reaction because I said to myself, like, if I'm too angry, what does that speak about my faith? What does it say? Right? We're going to make mistakes, no doubt. We are not perfect. But this is the level of consciousness that Allah is inviting us to have. It's like, mm, pay attention here. It's ultimately an expression or a statement on your ethics, on your morals, and on your faith. 
Now imagine again, to your point, Abdullah, if Muslims, 20%, 30% of them, carried that attitude in their work with their neighbors. Imagine what will, what will happen to our state here in this country. Most of us do not, brothers and sisters, know our neighbors. Zero. At work, the worst behaviors. We know this, right? The worst behaviors. And then we say, why are they angry with us, right? Some of it is justified, some of it is not justified. So, Barakallah Fiqh again on, on this very practical piece of advice. You know, Jazakallah Khair is incredible female wisdom in this story, yeah. right? Oftentimes we we might be thinking of other figures in the Quran that speak of wisdom of women and and, and perhaps women figures that are really known in our heads, Maryam, wife of Fir'aun, right? But how many of us think of the, the Queen of Sheba and her extraordinary female leadership? A portrait of power, grace, wisdom, humility. That even with all that she has, she submitted to Allah humbly as a student, learning from the wisdom of the teacher. The queen, can you imagine? To save her people. It's it, really it's it's a it's a it's a case study on, on, on female and just general leadership and governance. I think really even and her diplomacy as well, how she conducted herself, how she dealt with it, how she consulted, how she reacted to the letter, how she restrained her emotions. It, the whole interaction was amazing. I think what she's pointing out yeah. is that her consultation with wise people. Yeah. yeah um, absolutely. And so include people to make decisions. Absolutely. I think that's the yeah, that's yeah. message. No doubt. She's pointing out, I think. Yeah. There's yeah. no doubt that that was a speci specific, uh, a uh, you know, um, <coughs> kind of uh, event within the story that really showed her wisdom. But, but it's interesting as well. She had a thought in her mind. Yes. She understood like what needed to be done, but she so still she consulted with them. And even though they didn't tell her what she wanted to hear, she said, we're here at your service. We're strong. We have a you know, tough army. We can do things, right? She says, it's not what we need now, right? But that was uh, a beautiful interaction that enlists their support for her. She says, how about this? Let me, and she was teaching them. See, when tyrants, yeah, we can go to war, but if they show up here, they'll destroy us. They'll humiliate us. Wisdom again, Zakallah here for pointing that out. Did I see a hand? The, the surah we talk about is Sainapala. So basically we we'll, uh, talk about a lot of stories and that connects it to Sainapala. Now my point of question is, how are we gonna convince our children there is Allah? Mm. So we talk about so many kids are getting to be atheists, they don't believe in God. They're not gonna believe to the stories of uh, Queen of Sheba or Salaman or anybody how are you going to connect them and teach them that there is Allah and these are the signs? So we're, we're discussing all the stories, going, uh, understanding, teaching, uh, humility, and everything. 
But how are you going to teach and, and make uh, your children understand the sign of Allah? Because one question I always say, we talk about Jinnah and this and that. Have you seen anybody coming from heaven or hell? Have you ever seen right. Baba? Yeah. So how yeah, are you going to make them understand excellent, excellent question. the sign of Allah? Excellent question. Excellent question. And, and I, I can't tell you how often I come across this. People come to you with certain questions about things, but it's not their fault. They come to you like, where is this Jannah? And they come across a verse that is confusing and ambiguous. How come Allah talks about women this way? How come this? How come that? How come being Muslims behave in a nasty way? Right? Some people literally say, well, if it's, uh, if it's the right faith, why are people so bad? Right? All kinds of questions. If we address those questions directly, without building a foundation, yeah. we'll send them away. Yes. We'll send them away. Like, I heard one time a Muslim debate, debater debating an atheist. He was really actually a very good speaker, but he made that mistake at the time. He said to the, to the atheist uh, guy, who's really like well-versed in his arguments, he said, well, the Qur'an is from God and the Qur'an says, he says, I don't even believe in your thing. So you're using a thing I don't believe in as a proof? Because he's telling them, oh, it's inside of it. It's, it's very cohesive, the language. He says, I don't even understand Arabic. What are you talking about? That was a poor argument. Yeah, poor argument. Like, so when we start to address those doubts without building a foundation, we stumble. What I would recommend is putting all these things aside, not even getting into the Jannah, Hellfire, yeah. or the doubts. Say, let us start from the beginning, begin with fundamental question, does God exist? That's it. That's how I, I usually take it through a sequence of questions yeah. with them. Young people that I work with, even older people. I say, put aside all, if you just have doubts in your head, I, I'll resolve, I'll help you with one doubt, and then you'll move on to the next doubt. Yes. And then the third doubt, isn't it true? We know the deal. We know the deal. I do it all the time. Like, I, I have my doubts. You need to hit at the foundation. I say, what is the most fundamental question? You're talking about God and you have issues with his signs, with his uh, positions and statements. Do you even believe God exists? So you bring them back to the question of does God exist? And now you help them with that. How do you help them with this? Literally use whatever means you know. This is what we need to learn. I personally use all kinds of examples uh, about actually real science that demonstrates that no living substance could have come from any source but God. That we on our own cannot generate substance out of nothing. Something I, we talked about it last week. You cannot generate something out of nothing. When you take them through these examples, real good example, practical examples, and people need to be educated. People think they understand. They don't understand. And they're exploited. When you help them with these examples and bring real data, they start, well, they start to see it. I, I mean, at least in my conversations with young people, they start to say, like, oh my God, you're right. So agree, God exists. Then let's talk about the nature of God. Our definition of God is that he's perfect. He's wise. He's knowledgeable. His infinite knowledge means that I don't know enough. And if I don't know enough, or I know nothing, then how can I tell God I need to know the, all the answers? Make sense? So, meaning that the world is more than this, just the physical world. So there's a, there's a, that's a second set of questions you need to address with them. The nature of God and the nature of reality. 
Reality, as this surah tells us, is not what you see. And indeed, there are numerous examples, infinite examples, you can use that show us that the eyes can fool you. How about emotions? Emotions cannot be captured in a formula. So how do I prove emotions? How do I prove um, feelings? And so on and so forth. These are things that lie beyond the physical realm. Now, when you give these examples to young people, they start to understand, and then you take them to the doubts. But the foundation is established that what? God exists, and he's perfect. And then there are questions we're going to discuss that we may not understand, and it's okay, because we're finite. So it's a process. But the problem that we fall into is that we start from the top and not the, the bottom. You build the foundation, then you start answering their questions. And believe me, when you build the foundation, they, they start to answer their own questions. You know so I'm just, just, this is a simple methodology that really helps people as opposed to giving them random things that make no sense to them. I agree. Uh, a lot of things happen to almost all of us in our life, and you couldn't believe how it happened. Um, when I was young, I was traveling with my father and my younger brother to me. were three of us who were in the top uh, of the family who were supposed to be responsible later on. We were traveling in a bus, and bus flying through and goes into deep kind of a canal that was full of water deep, about 50 feet down. The bus goes in over the edge and falls like this. Wow. Now, I was thinking about all three are going to be gone. So what's going to happen to family? And it stopped right there. Oh, subhanAllah. That's amazing. Nobody got hurt. Nobody went really? over each other. It got and, stopped. And yeah, stopped right there. So that was the time. I was young and I always doubted about Allah and power and all that. Yeah. And yeah. still is in my mind, it should be something right. so powerful that saved all of us. That's there was no way to uh, There's no way to explain it, yeah. right? Explain. Yeah. So these kind of things happen in life. Yeah. And it's a very interesting thing happened. There's multiple other things happen. My wife and all that. So it's very interesting. The second question I was saying that I always tell my patient when I'm giving them bad news, please don't shoot the messenger. Mm. So in the story of uh, Queen of Zeba and uh, Shiva and uh, Suleiman, it, they could have, uh, it normally happens when King sends to another one message letter, that person never came back. So true. They also yeah. tell you how those people were at that time, and that is a reflection and understanding to ourselves that we should be tolerant with that example. That's beautiful. There's a really beautiful point about it. just being deliberate and patient. Yeah. You know, don't react, and good things happen. But also about test, you know, witnessing science. What you had is a very personal experience. It's not something you can write in a you know. It's like you can explain with a formula. It's a personal experience and. You had a reading into it. They had a, uh, a perception into the reality of it because you could have easily said, it's just luck. That's another reaction. It's just luck, right? Or the stone stood in the way and stopped the car. You said, it's a power beyond this. That's an internal thing. That's an awareness that Allah made you grasp. And look at you talking about it years later because it's so powerful. All of us, by the way, have come across things like this. Very personal. Allah's asking, it's like, just 
He says, open your heart and you'll see it. You already had enough encounters with the sons of Allah that shook you. They demonstrate the, the presence of Allah. Let's wrap up, inshallah. A um, couple of comments, Asif, inshallah. Make, let's make them short, inshallah. One link that King Hassan can be surah yeah. is for the first time, as we know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is coming down to the earth and talking to one of his creations. Mm-hmm. So he's coming down to Musa al Islam in, in the light and in the tree and talking to him. He's very unique. He didn't come. Oh, so Allah Azza wa So Allah Azza wa didn't come down to speak to to Musa, but He gave Musa the special gift of hearing the voice of Allah. That's it. So Allah, by the way, has never been seen, never by any creature, and this is the common consensus of all the scholars, right? Uh, that no one has ever seen. Even Prophet Muhammad in Mi'raj didn't see Allah. Allah cannot be encompassed, cannot be seen, right? His nature cannot be grasped. However, in the case of Musa, he's called Kalimullah, the one spoken to by Allah. So it's a special gift, just as he gives different messengers gifts. The gift of Musa was that Allah made him hear his voice. It's a wisdom of Allah, it's his choice, it's his decision. And it's a, it's a miracle, right? It's a, it's, it's a sign, excuse me, for, for, for Musa uh, to be granted that special gift of direct communication, direct communication with Allah Azza wa Not through inspiration, to actually hearing the voice of Allah, <coughs> right? But that Allah, it's not like Allah, again, we don't have, you know, attribute to Allah human qualities or limit him to space and say he came down and was in a thing. No, it's not. Yeah, so just to, Zakallah excellent point. Can we wrap up very quickly? Go ahead, Lala, and then so I'll actually, I want to make a point about what, actually, if you read the Quran, you feel like he's talking to you straight. It's true. All yeah. the time when I read, I feel like I'm in communication with him. Even this ayah, when mm. I was reading it yesterday, someone. So I want to mention that um, the, uh, the cream uh, Shiba, it takes place in Ethiopia, if I understand right. <coughs> the location, geographically, the Shiba is from Ethiopia. Mm, right. She's from Ethiopia. Maybe Ethiopia. Saba, Saba. I don't know. Yeah, where is it? Anybody? Yes. Yeah. It's in Ethiopia. Yeah, it's yeah. In, within that region in general. Ethiopia, right. For sure. It's, uh, the cream shower yeah. from Ethiopia. Okay. 100%. I really make a little question about it. No, it's, it's very significant to also understand because a, a lot of the. It's from Ethiopia. A lot of the glorious civilizations that have been wiped out. We just do not you understand where their roots were. In some of the. Yeah, some of the lands that are ravaged right now have had incredible civilizations, incredible leaders and queens and kings that have lived in the past and brought incredible progress but we just they've been wiped out unfortunately and we lost track of that so let's wrap up the, the, i want to say something and I, I i i want to stress this very very importantly knowledge knowledge is very 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 important islam is not fun when you don't understand i have but three people that are always consulted <coughs> As a Muslim, God has given you the ability to learn. The best source of 
our knowledge is the Quran followed by the Sunnah of Rasulullah But remember, not everybody will be able to read Quran. Uh, I mean, understand the language. But this is what I always tell people. Once you have basic education that you can read and write, you can do the rest for yourself. You might not be able to read, know the vocabulary of the Quran. There's one thing that I'm very, very passionate with it. And it's the fact that you should have somebody, somebody that you can consult, that you know is a good uh, sheikh that can, like I have three people. I have Brother Tarif, Imam Abdullah, and I have another sheikh. Whenever I, I read something that I'm doubting, I will ask questions from this. And before I know, I'll get the source. Why I'm saying this? Mm. You, we talk about Rasulullah everybody magnify, talk about. But what do you know about him? Other than the story. Please, that's a series that Yassi Kadri did about Prophet Muhammad. It's 104 videos. Wallah, if you sit down, it's going to take you time. If you sit down and just time by time. He did it in 2011, but it's on YouTube. You will be so amazed about this. He did a wonderful job. I'm recommending that as a Muslim, try to look at it. He did the Ashara Mubashirin, the 10 people that was granted Jannah extensively. If you understand all these things, Islam will be fun. You will see the, the essence the, to which these people have done for Islam that we were just fortunate. Your ability to deal with non-believer. These people dealt with non-believer more than us and they were able to coexist with no problem. We live, I always say, it's a blessing that God sent you to here. You can, you can imagine Almighty Allah put you in Mecca. Who are you going to do that for? To? How many people you want to do that to? You, it's been a real assumption that everybody there is a Muslim. You're not going to be able to influence nobody other than get knowledge. And if this knowledge that you have, you are not using it, it's not impacting nothing. God put anybody that's living in the United States that's a Muslim, you, you don't <coughs> have to preach. Just show Islam toward your action. And people see you. So as a Muslim, it's not enough to just say, I pray, I go to mosque, I volunteer. Your volunteerism is to the non-believer too. And we have something that I've always is so shocking. Muslims come to Muslim community, they don't obey the law. They go outside, they, they obey the law. You tell them, don't park on the yellow line. When they come here, they park on the yellow line. You tell outside, there's no sign. They go there and they respect the law more than they respect. And they say, we have a problem. We don't have a problem. Barakallah so, yeah. On this beautiful note, it's all effort. Jazakallah khair. Knowledge is effort. Keep it in mind this. Allah says, speak of this in the surah. Knowledge is not just also the written word. Yes. The, 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 you know, the, the fact and the data. And, and even, even just even the, 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 the speech and the verse. It's the inward reality of it all. So you, we need to ask for this. Like, uh, 
Ibrahim said, Ya Allah, grant me vision of things. Vision into your malakut, into your kingdom. Make me see it. It's about seeing at the end. So you can be reading and memorizing, but not learning it. Because we're not humble to say, Ya Allah, it's from you. Grant me awareness of the inward reality of all of this. That I can start to see just as you've seen the, power of the powerful hand of Allah behind that accident and what happened and how he was saved. That's vision. He made you see it inside of your heart. You could have easily called it luck. See my point? So that's something to ask Allah. Now, how does Allah end, wrap up the surah? What is this surah about? Knowledge, knowledge coming from Allah, and the fruit of knowledge being what? Gratitude to Allah. So what does Allah end the surah with? وَقُلْ Say, Alhamdulillah. Last verse. وَقُلْ Alhamdulillah. Say, Alhamdulillah سَيُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِهِ فَتَعْرِفُونَهَا And now he talks about the signs. He says, I'm going to show you my signs. And you're going to know them. You're going to see them. You're going to understand them, but some will choose to be heedless. Subhanallah. Say, say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Nothing more beautiful, brothers and sisters. And asking Allah to grant us that knowledge. One announcement, inshallah, before we wrap is that, inshallah, I'll be out for four weeks, inshallah. So I'm taking off today, inshallah, on travel. Um, inshallah, I'll keep everybody in my du'as. I'm going to try, inshallah, to go to uh, Jerusalem and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Inshallah, we'll keep everybody in my du'as. I will be, I'll be back, inshallah, so we'll pick up, inshallah, as soon as I get back, four weeks, inshallah, with the next surah, Surah Al-Qasas. Barakallah feekum, we ask Allah Azza to grant us guidance, we ask Allah Azza wa to grant us the ability to be thankful to Him for the gifts that He has given us, and the gifts that He has given our parents, and to grant us good deeds, righteous deeds that please Him, and to join us with the righteous, Allahumma ameen, Allahumma ameen, wa salli lahum ala Sayyidina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين جزاكم الله خير إن شاء الله السلام عليكم